Let's just pray again together. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much that no matter the circumstance, no matter what we're going through, we can still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, we pray now that as we come and as we gather around your word that you would speak to us in a very tangible and very real way, that we would hear from you this morning, that our souls would be encouraged, that we would be challenged, and that we would be moved, moved to action in the name of the Lord. And we pray these things in that beautiful name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's been good this morning, Hannah. It's been a really good morning. Uh, If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Psalm 13. Um, This is the passage that Audrey has already read for us um, earlier in the service. And during our time around the Word, we're going to be working through it together. Uh, Whenever you get there, though, you'll see that very handily for me as a preacher, the psalm is split into three specific sections. So no guess what's happening this morning, right? Three distinct parts, and that's the way in which we're going to work through and journey through the psalm together. So if you find that passage of scripture just now, I hope that you have found week one of our journey through the psalms helpful and meaningful. And if you haven't joined on the journey yet, there are sheets on the way out and you can join in the journey. And if you're wondering what on earth that journey is that I'm talking about, we are going to be journeying together through the entire book of psalms through the summer months, through July and August. We're going to be reading the Psalms together as a congregation. And then whoever's preaching on the Sunday, be it myself, Pastor Norman, or somebody else, they're going to look specifically at one of the Psalms that we had looked at together and read together throughout the week. So you've only missed one week, which means there's only 23 Psalms to catch up on, right? So it's not that much hard work. And even if you feel like that is too much hard work, Just jump in at Psalm 24, because it's the best one anyway, right? Well, it's my favourite one Um, anyway. um, Wasn't it lovely yesterday, those of us who have been journeying to finish yesterday on Psalm 23? Just to finish up with something familiar, yet comforting, and be reminded of the Lord's provision and his care for us as his children. But today we're going to consider Psalm 13 together. And this is really a psalm of transition. And what is meant by that is this. That David, the psalmist, King David, the writer of the psalm, begins the psalm in a place of complete and utter despair. He's in complete and utter despair. He's discouraged. He's downhearted. He's even a little bit angry. And before soon... Before too soon, that despair moves on to a sense of complete and utter desperation. So he moves from despair to desperation. He's desperate for God to break through. He's desperate for God to hear his cry for help. He's desperate for God to step in and do something. And then, lo and behold, the mood transitions again. But this time it's not despair. This time it's not desperation. But rather David's posture becomes that of delight. 
by the end of the psalm. He goes from despair to desperation to delight. And I wonder if you've ever found yourself there. And if you've not found yourself fluctuating between one or the other of these, the reality is that more likely than not, we've all found ourselves in at least one of these states before. On our journey with the Lord or in fact even our journey in life. And the likelihood is that at some stage, each one of us, each one of these stages, despair, desperation or delight will become a reality in our lives once again. Whether we admit it to ourselves at the time or not. So I encourage you this morning as we journey together through this psalm. If you're not at that stage right now, don't switch off. If you're not there right now, don't switch off. For we are about to discover together right now could have a profoundly important impact on your journey with the Lord. When or if the time that you do find yourself in that situation comes. So, verses 1 and 2. David finds himself in a state of despair. I wonder if you've ever sat like that. I wonder if you've ever thought like that. Head and hands sitting on the floor. I wonder if you've been there. Feeling like time has stood still. And that there's no end to the suffering which you're enduring. Feeling like you've been forgotten about. And worse than being forgotten about, that nobody cares. That you're crying out. You're doing your utmost to ensure that your voice is being heard. But you feel like nobody's listening. And that everybody's turned their back on you. I don't think I need to tell you what happened on the 30th of July 1966. I already see some eye rolls. It happened on the 30th of July 1966 in Wembley Stadium in London. The reality is, as we've had our television screens filled with football punditry over the last couple of weeks for Euro 2020, this is a date which has been talked about at least once an hour, it seems, on a variety of different channels. In fact, for the first time ever, yesterday, Channel 4 even showed the 1966 World Cup final in full colour television for the very first time. But it's been 55 years. I think for everybody, regardless of whether they support the English national football team or not, I, I think for everybody, regardless of whether they support them or not, we've all had to listen to the pundits down through the years talk about what had been and talk about what could be in the future. It was almost as if they're asking the question, how long? And we're asking the question, how long are you going to talk about it? And they're going, how long is it going to be before England win again? Disclaimer, I'm an England fan. I have an English mother and I was born in England, but don't hold it against me. I grew up in Larne, right? Don't hold that against me either. But I can't stand the pundits. I can't stand the running commentary. Does me bar me. But I think if we're honest, there's a little bit of every football fan or indeed anybody who watches television 
There's a little bit inside each one of us that has something riding on the match tonight. Those who are supporting England want this question of how long to be answered and to end the 55-year drought. And those who are supporting that new team called ABE, which stands for anyone but England, will be cheering on Italy tonight and will console themselves should England win in the fact that we might finally stop this, stop hearing about 1966. How long? How long until it's over? How long till the drought's over? How long until they stop banging on? The psalmist, that seems like quite a silly illustration for such a serious psalm. But here the psalmist is in a state of despair and he finds himself crying out to the Lord and asking this very question. How long? How long, O Lord? Here we read it in the first two verses. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long, how long, how long, how long? Four times in two verses, the question is asked. Now the psalm does not specify the specific nature of the trial or temptation which, which King David is enduring, but rather simply asks that question time and time again. How long? There's something deeply human about that, isn't there? As we go through trials and temptations that life brings, as we endure difficulty, as we face uncertainty, for many, one of the first responses, even amongst the people of God, is to cry out, How long? How long am I going to have to go through this for? How long until all of this is over? How long until I'm put out of my misery? Or if you're really holy, how long until you come back for us, Lord? It's almost as if we feel that if we knew how long it was going to last for, that then maybe, just maybe, we can endure it a little bit better. During one of those moments of weakness where I decided I wanted to get in shape and went on a health kick, I signed myself up for a spin class. Right? Some of you know this story and some of you don't. I signed myself up for a spin class. Now for those who aren't familiar, a spin class involves exercising on a stationary bike led by an instructor going through various intervals, paces, and difficulties. They have beginner classes and they have more advanced classes depending on your experience and on your ability. So I've just started this health kick. As you can see, not right now. This was a few years ago. Everything was going well uh, and I was confident that my rugby legs would serve me well. I was Decided I'd give spin class a go. I was nervously excited. I've never done it before. What could possibly go wrong? Everything's going all right. 
It's a good workout. I'm feeling good. The time has flown by. The legs have been pumping. I'm feeling really confident in myself. If I'm completely honest, I'm feeling a little bit cocky and arrogant. I'm like, that was easy. When can I come next week? The time's flown in. And I go to get off the bike. And the instructor says, Okay, that was the warm-up. Let's get started. (laughs) So without going into too much detail, let's just say what followed was 45 minutes of the most excruciating pain and the longest 45 minutes of my life. Not only was I incredibly unfit, but I had also signed up, by mistake, for the advanced class. It were as though time slowed down as my instructor looked at me, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, and said, I think you should stop. (laughs) Are are you all right? (laughs) I felt like I was going to die. I'll be honest. I felt like I was going to die then and there. It was as though time had slowed down. The longest 45 minutes of my life by a long stretch. In this psalm, David felt like time had slowed down. He felt like there was no end in sight. That the trial or temptation that he was facing was going to consume him. That God had abandoned him and turned his face from him. And of course, this was not true. But David felt that it was true. You see, whenever we have such strong feelings we can almost create our own reality where what we feel is true becomes true to us even if it's not and David had convinced himself at this point that God had abandoned him and that God had turned his face from him as though he were nothing and as though he were insignificant he was hurting his heart was heavy. He had fallen victim to finding solace in his own heart and in his own soul. In his own heart, which is deceitful above all things. And he felt like life was getting the better of him. That life was getting on top of him. And that his end was very, very near, yet very far away. See, in the midst of his feelings and in his despair, King David had forgotten the words which the Lord had spoken in the Torah to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. There's something really comforting, or at least I think so, about remembering the promises of God, isn't there? And being reminded of the promises of God. And when we find ourselves in a pit of despair, wondering where God is and what he's at, wondering what God is doing, let us be a people who lean on the promises of God rather 
than on our own feelings. And let us be a people who cast all our cares and anxieties onto him. Because, well, another reminder for you. He cares for you. He cares for you. I love what G. Campbell Morgan, a preacher of bygone years, says about this. He says, this is a lesson of profound value. If the heart be overburdened and Jehovah seemed to hide his face, let the story of woe be told to him. It is a holy exercise. Men may not understand it. They may even charge us with failing faith. When we're in that pit of despair, lean on the promises. Cry out to God. His despair moves to desperation. And he calls out to God afresh. He says, consider and answer me, O Lord. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Yet lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Without getting too technical, because I know nobody really cares, right? But David's desperation is shown in the fact that he uses the Hebrew method of repetition here to show his emphasis in his prayer. He says, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. It's as though he felt that God wasn't listening, so he shouted a little bit louder. And he repeated himself time and time again in order to try and get his attention. Like a child. Daddy. 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 And then daddy goes, what? (laughs) But God doesn't do that. But that's a picture for us. It's as though David's going, dad. 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 David cries out, desperate, that his heavenly father would incline his ear to him. Even one more time. But I wonder if you've ever noticed that as you've prayed, there have been times where your prayer hasn't been answered right away. You ever noticed that? Your prayers maybe started off a bit casually, as though we didn't really care too much. We didn't really care too much about whether God answered or not. But as time drew on and they became more earnest and almost desperate to the point where you're wrestling with God to intervene and to bring about change in the life of a situation or an individual, then suddenly it's as though you see God at work. Have you noticed that when your prayers are more casual and less earnest, less steadfast, less continual, that breakthrough doesn't really seem to happen? Yet whenever we cry out to God and earnestly seek him of all that we have, seeking him for the things for which we are passionately invested Caring about the things which God cares about. Souls, healing, individuals, communities, 
that the promise that Jesus made in John 15 and 7 is fulfilled. He said, if you abide in me and my words in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. The psalmist is crying out. He is desperate. And he's crying that God would light up his eyes. You see, David's spiritual eyes and vision were a little bit clouded. Things were a little bit hazy. And he knows that if breakthrough is going to happen, God needs to lift the fog. God needs to lift the cloud from his heart and his mind. In other words, he needs to regain his spiritual sight. Look at what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in chapter 1 of his letter. He says that the, Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of, his, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is exceeding greatness of power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. In the midst of his despair, in the light of his desperation, David had forgotten the hope of God's calling. He had forgotten the riches of the glory of his inheritance. He had forgotten the exceeding greatness of his power toward us and working of God's mighty power. He had allowed his feelings to overshadow his spiritual eyes. And he needed a fresh infilling of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. In other words, his feelings ruled his head. His feelings had taken over and they had caused him to take his eyes off of God. I want to ask you today, are you there? Are you in a state of desperation? Are your spiritual eyes clouded? Does everything to do with God and everything you thought you ever knew about God seem a wee bit blurry? Perhaps it's time we ask God to light up, to enlighten our eyes afresh. And guess what? He did it for David. And we're going to find that out in the next verses. He did it for David. And I know you love good news. Don't we all love good news? Yeah. I have more good news for you this morning. This is what the Apostle James says. He says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. He did it for David, and the good news is, he longs to do it for you. What a wonderful God. And as despair turned to desperation, desperation turns 
to delight for the psalmist. God hears David. Side note, he heard him the whole time, but now David recognises and realises that God has heard him. David's spiritual sight has been restored. And notice as we read these two verses at the end together that there's no mention of victory over the trial. There's no mention of victory in the battle. There's no mention of victory over the temptation that David may have been facing. But it is clear that God has indeed heard him and enlightened his eyes. Restored his spiritual sight. Placing in him a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revealing once again the hope of God's calling in his life. Let's read verses 5 and 6 again. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he has dealt bountifully with me. David was moved to a place of confidence and trust in the Lord. He remembered that he really did trust God. And even in those dark moments, David knew that there was one thing on which he could count. And that was the steadfast love of the Lord. The scriptures tell us that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That his mercies never come to an end. That they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. David is moved from despair and desperation to joy as he rejoices in the salvation of the Lord. He is a changed man and has been so changed by the power and presence of the Lord God Almighty working in his midst. Rather than his feelings directing him, David is now directing his feelings toward praise toward glory and honour to the Lord. A new song has been put in his mouth. God has heard him. God has answered him. And I know you love good news. God can do the same for you today. And guess what? If you're not there yet, he can do the same for you tomorrow. And if you're still not in that place of despair or desperation tomorrow... He can do it the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Because his mercies are new every morning. Our God is the God of compassion. He is the God who never leaves, and he never forsakes. And guess what? He's not going to start with you. Maybe we need to be reminded of that truth this morning. My last thought is this. I don't know if you noticed, but this psalm was written by David to the choir master. Right? The psalm is actually a song. So as David moves to praise in verse 6, as he sings to the Lord, even with no indication that the battle, the trial, the temptation that which he faces is over, David decides to opt for praise and worship. And what can we learn from that? Church, praise is our greatest weapon against the storms of life. Worship is not just something we're supposed to do when we gather together on a Sunday. 
It's a lifestyle. And worship of the Lord is our battle cry. Despite the fact that the enemy is pressing in and no doubt mocking him, David chooses to recognise the fact that the Lord has dealt bountifully with him. You might recognise these lyrics. When upon life's billows you are tempest tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. We have a God who deals bountifully with us, even if we don't deserve it. So wherever you're at this morning, be it despair, be it desperation, or be it in a place of delight, know that you are loved. And may you and may we all find comfort in this closing line from James Montgomery Boyce. The fact that we feel abandoned itself means we really know that God is there. To be abandoned you need, to be ab- you need someone to be abandoned by. Because we are Christians and have been taught by God in the scriptures, we know that God still loves us and will be faithful to us regardless of our feelings. And thanks be to God. Let's stand together and sing of his goodness.